welcome back to Are We Rolling, episode 26. Uh, my name is Derek. And my name is Garrick. Hey, we're recording on the first week of August of the year 2020. So, hope you guys are doing good uh, yep. out there. It's the new month. Yeah, new beginning. I haven't like shaved up my whole face and all. Well, so, it's been getting very hot outside. I don't know how you feel about it. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you notice, my hair is still quite... Like, I, I still need to get I, a bit... I, of like, every time I go out, I feel like I'm walking into an oven. Exactly, yeah. Everyone's <laughs> going to say the same thing as well. But yeah, um, our main topic of the day, we're mm-hmm. going to talk about a film that we, you know, both of us are so excited about and we just catch it uh, sometime last week and we're going to talk about it uh, in a bit. Um, is the film uh, Ro. Yep, yeah, directed, directed by, by Amir Aswan, yep. produced by Kuman Pictures. Yep, it's their second film right after James Lee's uh, Two Sisters. Um, it is it is quite a treat, I would say. It is mm-hmm. quite a treat. Uh, yep. Shout out to Kuman Pictures for, you know, um, sending out the invites. Yeah, thanks for the tickets, by the way. It was yeah. it was a nice time. Yeah, it, it was a nice turnout as well, as per crowd. You yes. Know, um, that was like, what, your first time in the cinema? It ever was since? my first movie... Post-MCO. After, yeah, after the whole thing. And yes. It, it's quite, it, I mean, amidst the uh, SOPs and the strict and, and, and whatnot, it's quite a turnout for a film of which I'm kind of excited for people to watch it. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yep. really curious for that. But first, we'll just go through like a few bit of stuff. And first of all, we have something regarding to Mulan. Yes. Right? Uh, yep. New developments has happened uh, prior to the release of Mulan. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, uh, what Disney has decided is that um, after it's released um, in theaters, they are going to release it on Disney Plus as well on September 4th. Mm-hmm. And the price that they put on it, it's $29.99 US dollars. Right, yeah. <laughs> so, essentially, it's it's... It's gonna be on like your TV, just like maybe one or two weeks after it's uh in the theaters. Yeah, essentially, yeah. and uh yeah. So basically, um, this you know we 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 started to talk about it amongst ourselves. Like, what what is this mm. gonna do for a big tentpole movie? You know, like, uh, something like Mulan that was supposedly. For like the worldwide yeah, audience, I mean, didn't Disney had the whole? I mean, they, I'm I'm assuming they've spent like a significant amount for marketing and stuff because yep. we've seen like trailers and, if I'm not mistaken, they already had their first press screening for media and for press yes. as well. Like, I, I mean, remember there was a red carpet. Yes, I remember there was like those early reviews have been rolled out. And, yeah, you yeah. Know, um, praising the film of its like epic scale and whatnot, and uh, and you know, and pandemic happens. And then now we are fast forwarded like five months ahead and then we have come to this whereby, you know, big temple films right now are being subsided. I mean, not really entirely. They will have still have their theatrical yeah. window thing before they're eventually getting swept aside to the, to the streaming to the service. streaming gods. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, first off, $30. Yes, correct? 30 bucks to watch a movie on your TV. I've never been to America, disclaimer. I've always wanted to go. But yes. is that a steep of a price it is, to rent a movie? It is quite a pricey deal to watch a movie. Exactly. Even even though it's a a, a premiere. A prim- uh, a, but a to premium wa- big pre- yeah. blockbuster. But tempo. to watch it on your TV without the, the sound system exactly. of or the, the you know the, without the, the added feature the of, added of cinema. cinema kind of experience. Uh, experience yeah. You know, it's a very steep deal. How much does a cinema ticket cost over there? The last I remember was about maybe between eight to twelve. Right. Bucks. And this was few years ago, right? I mean, yes. 20... Yeah, yeah. It, it, it should be around there, not including right. like your popcorn and concessions and right, stuff. Right, right, right. But yeah. Um, so yeah, we were just wondering what is this going to do for future movies, you know, because because of this whole COVID thing, mm-hmm. um, people are not going to rush to the cinemas not anytime, soon. anytime soon. And then cinemas are not going to break their SOPs as well. Yep. So you will see like half of the people not in, not uh welcomed into the theaters mm. and then you know it's just sooner or later that these companies are going to want to they want to put more eyes on their movies mm-hmm. and the only way to do so is to put it on their streaming sites mm-hmm. which has no regulations you know because mm-hmm. you can just watch it anywhere Mulan wouldn't be the first film i think people would rush out 
from their house. <laughs> I don't know if that's a diss, but I, I'm 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 personally still quite excited for that film. Mm. Um, judging from what I've seen in the trailers and stuff, but yeah, I don't think people will be like uh, entirely. Well, uh, a, a worker in France would disagree. Okay, that <laughs> someone was so angry that he, um a worker, yeah, uh, a cinema worker in France, Employee, yeah, 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 was so enraged that the movie was not going to come. You know, they had all their marketing stuff out already that he took it upon himself to film himself beating up the Mulan billboard. That's effort right there. I mean, he he took it upon the trouble to actually uh, film himself doing that. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, I mean, it's a, it's already a dire time for cinemas worldwide anyway. You know, they've been losing like all these months of revenue of like losing out to, you know, um, the zero occupancy to their cinemas and stuff. So, I mean, of course, such little news like this, I mean, it may not mean anything for Disney in particular. I mean, you know, them being like a mega billionaire corporation anyhow, this small tweak decision of like, oh, let's just have it for like a few weeks and then just push it to the, to the, well, VOD sites and all that and then, and then they won't have anything but you know cinemas around the world you know they would need the uh, additional revenue of like you know they're still relying on box office they're still relying on like audiences coming over to the cinemas and watching the films so this is just the uh, first of you know Mulan is considered quite a big you know they've been like uh, hyping it up through trailers and stuff they've been they spent like millions and millions of, on the marketing and for them to do this it's quite um, quite a surprising thing, like, I mean, given their their, stat- their big stature and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna read a quote here by Disney CEO Bob Chapek about yeah. about this yeah. whole situation. So, uh, he says, and I quote: "We see this as an opportunity to bring this incredible film to a broad audience currently unavailable to go to the movie theaters, mm. while also." further enhancing the value and attractiveness of a Disney Plus subscription with this great content. End quote. Um, he added that this would allow them to, quote, learn from it and see what happens not only in terms of the uptake in the number of subscribers we get on the platform and the actual number of transactions on the Disney Plus platform that we get on that PVOD offering. End quote. <clears throat> so, I mean, basically, yeah. they already have this great new platform and you know they figured you know why not you know everyone's it's already a, a, beginning to subscribe it it's the safest answer that that can come out of a, of a CEO of a yeah <laughs> yes uh, I mean they, they, basically, they basically just want people to subscribe to their yeah. service yeah but in terms of the filmmakers filmmakers you know they generally they generally earn money from ticket sales mm. right because yeah. they, 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 I think it's it's easier to get profits from them, yeah. especially when it's a worldwide movie. Um, so I guess it poses a bit of a the question, uh, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a conundrum, um, and we'll further have you know further arguments down the line about how you know big distributors are handling the uh, their their big temple releases from here on out, you know. What's going to happen to other... I mean, it, it prompts the question like, you know, will Disney be able to do this on, say, uh, their Marvel Studio counterparts, you know, where will we see this happening to Black Widow, per se, you know, for other Marvel, big, big Marvel movies that's going to schedule, it's going to roll out in the next few months. You know, Black Widow, I think, I'm not mistaken if they've already pushed the film further into 2021 or is it later 2020 i'm not too sure about that uh, yes we, we'll have to check about that uh, yeah i'm pretty sure they have their window releases being locked down and then you know they have a uh, 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 shang chi that's gonna come out like 2021 yeah yep. all this we, which we would consider like big marvel temples as well you know very reliant on box office sales um and and you know people will be very excited to watch that kind of films in the biggest screen as possible so there wouldn't be any reason for them not to want to rush out mm-hmm. to watch it in cinema so but I mean it is still very much a developing issue you know we, we're still seeing how other countries particularly America and how they're handling you know the COVID cases over there and whether things will turn out to be the better or the you know or for the worse and it's a it's a it's a thing that I think will change down the line I don't think I mean the CEO did mention it's like a one-time deal for yes. Mulan. So it won't be 
uh, happen to other film per se. You know, it's very exclusive. It's very timely, very exclusive. Uh-huh. Yep. Only applicable to this kind of situation kind of a thing. So That's, that's what they say for now. Yeah, for right? now. I mean, you know, <laughs> statements can be changed. I mean, can be added and modified. Uh, so, anyway. so basically, it's going to be on release on the yeah. same Labor Day weekend, which is apparently occupied by Tenet as well. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, another... We, we we really have releases, release date for Mulan as well, right? It's going to be around like September, unlike the first week of September. Yes. I mean, the same week yeah, as Yeah, yeah, it should be around, around there. It's a um, huge week. I mean, like both Mulan <laughs> and Tenet to be out on, the, on, on that week alone. Yeah. Um. Well, basically, Mulan is the is gonna be receiving their theatrical release in countries without Disney Plus. Right. Because, uh, you know, in the US now, it's it's. it's I guess the COVID cases are more yeah. dire, yeah. more severe, so they really can't release, uh, the movies in the cinemas now. So they are definitely gonna release them in countries where you know, kind of like ours, where we are slowly getting better. Mm-hmm. So. So yeah. Um, Sp- uh, speaking of Tenet, just a short segue. Have you seen the uh, uh, sort of like an introduction sneak peek video with uh, Chris Nolan addressing the people of China or something? I I've seen the. I videos. didn't watch the video, uh, but yeah. I, but I saw the the news article. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a video of him uh, basically saying, um, you know, uh, for the for the people in China, you know, um, I'm very excited for you guys to be able to watch Tenet in the biggest screen as possible. And then, you know, he goes on to the whole thing about how Tenet is made as a film uh, uh, to be projected in cinema, you know, the biggest image. To, to be seen to be the seen, way to be Nolan intended. Yes, exactly. <laughs> to be seen as the way he intended. And uh, it's very fun. I mean, I mean, the, the tease, I mean, the sneak peek does have like one or two new scenes, I think, one or two new weird stuff happen. Uh, uh, to the character and and it's quite it's quite something I've never seen I would never expect Chris Nolan I mean I'm pretty sure it's it's under Warner Brothers uh, contractual obligation of sort for letting the film to be released over everywhere else but America basically yes. right I yes. mean it's yeah it's, it's, it's like a very and I think I have a feeling Nolan is getting a bit like on edge like frustrated I'm... about okay. it right I to the point, like, know you know, he that. can't release it in the States, which is, you know, where you get the biggest ground. But he he wants to release it sometime. You would say that, but China holds the, uh, you know, the, the box office sales over there, whereby, you know, a lot of films these days are dictated. Uh, the success of the film sale are dictated by the ticket mm. sales over in China. So, I mean, sure, if I'm a filmmaker, I would be slightly annoyed if my films didn't open in my country. But... To be able to open everywhere else, I mean, it's not the country's choice. I mean, you know, you're you're still facing the pandemic uh, by themselves and all that. So, the fact that I'm, I'll be quite. I mean, I'm I'm honestly quite excited if other country will be able to experience it first, and then, you know, it's a, it's a it's a release date thing. Like. I mean, I don't think it's like a very frustrating thing as a filmmaker per se. I mean. I'm I'm glad the film's getting released in some in some well, way. I wonder how Chris Nolan films have fared in China. Actually, I know yeah. they don't get the Marvel numbers. I mean, but... his last film was like Dunkirk. I'm not too sure how well Dunkirk yeah uh, made overseas. Yeah, I mean, I I I I, I know okay I know America. he banks a lot of it on this the United States. You know, mm. because it's sort of his demographic. But yeah. like in China, yeah, I I don't really know, but you know. If if yeah. he's able to release it anyway, so you know why why not? You, know, you sent me this one article saying like how uh, Chinese censorship, the whole uh, that whole the whole fact about how they won't. I mean, basically they 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 won't like uh, alien movies and time travel movies. And yes, yes, yes. <laughs> all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's this very funny article that Garrick sent me, and then um, it has this whole spill about how you know Chinese censorship. Basically, are dictating what films to be released over on that side, and I'm, I'm, I, and I wonder how Tenet will be able to, um, how Tenet is being discussed over there. <laughs> like, I mean, what film is this? So, like, are we like, are we gonna just kick this film out? Like, what's this film about? Is it even about time travel? Is it about some? I mean, that's the beauty of Chris Nolan films, right? Yes. I mean, you won't know what the hell is up with his films anyway until it's being released and then you watch it for the first time. So, I guess that's part of the beauty of movies being, you know. Not really that spoiled by the trailer so far, but yeah, it's it's a, it's a 
it's exciting time for movies. Like it's a both exciting and dire times for movies. I'm pretty sure. Um, I'm trying to see the exciting side of it, but <laughs> when every movie is pushed back so far, but well, uh, <clears throat> yeah, you know, I we we'll just have to see what you know. Big movie corporations, they will have the ultimate headache of rearranging their movie calendars, basically. Yeah. Especially so to, if you're trying to go for the Oscars. Yeah. You know. Exactly. Yeah. The 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 award season windows whereby you know should I release this particular movie over here so as to qualify for Oscars next year, but if I'm releasing that, I might get clashed with this other big temple movies that's coming out. That you know, you you would have that kind of discussion yep, yep, going on yep. between the agents and the producers and the distributors and whatnot. And as far as I know, Wonder Woman is going to come out soon as well, right? Is... In September? I'm pretty sure Wonder Woman is being pushed to next year. So really? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's this like two big movies, Wonder Woman and the other one, was being pushed to 2021 straight. Oh, I had a mistaken. feeling I saw on one of the cinema sites, like the, mm. the, the coming soon portion. I, I could be wrong. I could but, be wrong. I mean, it's yeah. not really... Uh, because, you know, movie release date, changes nearly every freaking day now so it's like you keep seeing like <laughs> big posters and a like big shape like change to 2021 and then you're like oh okay fine yeah yeah we, we pay no heat to it until it, it arrives and then you like, oh, oh wait this two films are gonna come out like 2020 oh wait that's a bit too far but i mean in one woman's case i'm pretty sure it'll come out in like the first quarter of 2021 mm, but yeah um okay i guess we'll just move <clears throat> on now yeah. yeah to our main topic yep uh, which is our impressions of Roe. Yeah. Right? Yep, yep, yep. Which we recently uh, caught. Um, so, okay. So, I'll just give a brief introduction what it is. It's uh, written and directed by Emir Aswan. Yep. Um, again, as I've said before, it's produced by Kuman Pictures. And then um, the cast uh, includes Farah Ahmad, Mia Farhana, Harith Hazik, June Lojong, uh, Namron, and Putri Kase. Right, so uh, and then the lock line, which uh, is like the the, the one the, girl character, which has literally girl. has two lines. Yes, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about. Uh, so the lock line, uh, it's very short. It's basically uh, set in the past, in which a family gets a visit from a strange little girl with a frightening prediction. Yeah. So I got a lock line from uh, I think IMDb that, or something. I mean, that basically <laughs> it actually. Yeah. So yeah, we'll give our thoughts about it, and Derek, you wanna just. Kick us off. What What do you think about it? I I really like the film. I mean, um, I've been slowly looking forward for the film ever since um early last year, where I caught wind of like, uh, some of my friends who were working on the production itself, and then they you know they keep uh, uh posting behind the scenes stills, not officially, but you keep seeing like I mean, you always have like in Instagram when you see like two of your friends posted the same pictures in the jungle, and you 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 wondering to yourself what are they doing in the jungle, and then you can wonder oh wait they're shooting something in the jungle, and then you slowly learn that um Kuman Pictures have this like uh three film uh film plan, you know one uh, one they started with James Lee with two sisters. And then the next film will be like Malay language, which is, you know, Amir as once with his role. And then the third film, which is uh, an Indian filmmaker, you know, um, I think, what, what was that? Arul or Irul or something that I could, I could be mistaken. But yeah, it's a Tamil language. So, you know, you have the whole, um, similar to what Blumhouse and Disney, you know, they always have this like uh, movie calendar thing planned out. Throughout. So they have their plans kind of stuck. And then, so I was like really looking forward to Roe and then I was like I was like wondering what film is it about and then um my first glance off it was like it was it, it looks very atmospheric the trailer and when the trailer came out and then it's like it's it's everything that I suspected you know from all the stills and the posters that came out it gave like the the uh, the vibes of the witch and um, hereditary you know all the good A24 horror movies you know you give off that vibe and when the film came out and we watched it last week and it's yeah it's it's it hits all the right notes for me at least um <clears throat> it's a film that really it's on its own kind of like tone on its operating its own kind of like wavelength it doesn't really falters down to the what the usual mainstream horror films would be and it makes you think and the dialogue is quite intriguing and it's shot really quite nicely actually um it's caught really well acted really well actually and and then when the credit roll you, you're like wondering oh wait this is really really good horror <laughs> you know it's a really really good horror movie you know and it's from a local filmmaker you know it's it's a 
I would say it's a quite an achievement from Kuman Pictures from themselves. And I'm, yeah, I mean, I got, I got no, I mean, we would, we, I don't know how deep of a territory of a plot point should we really talk about it or? Well, I think we should, we should I should have probably given a disclaimer. We should do like a non-spoilers yeah, yeah. review yeah. first, right? So, of yep. course, we're not going to talk about any uh, plot that's too, yeah. that reviews too much and all. So, I think we're just like, you know, Mm-hmm. Rem- move remote around there, but yeah, I mean it's 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 really it's a really nice film. I mean, I I'm I'm a sucker for horror films like this. I you know for horror films which doesn't really doesn't always rely on jump scares and it's it's re- it rely on old school editing and storytelling and music and character development and storytelling. It's really being done really well on that regard. You know. Mm. Okay. Um. <clears throat> I for me, um, I was, I sort of felt certain ways as well, mm. certain similar ways. Um, I thought it was, I I I thought the it was a very light script. Mm. I had mm-hmm. a feeling, you know, it didn't rely a lot on dialogue, mm. a lot more on expressions and emotions, and of course the atmospheric uh, feel to the whole movie. Um, I thought it had like the most beautiful cinematography yeah. um, for a horror movie, which I rarely say. Yeah, shout out to uh, the DP, Saifuddin, Saifuddin Musa, if I'm not mistaken, his last name is uh, Udinism, his IG handle. You know, he's the one of the Instagram handles that I followed sometime last year as well. And mm. he, posted all, he posted all these beautiful looking stills in his IG. And um, he has done quite like few commercial works here and there. And then he... He's he has his fair share of B camera work in uh, Nadia Hamza's motif as well. Um, I've spoken to you about it slightly, and he done few shots over in that film, which are, which are like, straight up one of the best few looking shots I've seen coming out of a Malaysian mo- mm-hmm. local movie. And he is able to flex basically, you know, in Amir Azwan's role. Basically, he 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 uses you know he uses the whole look to his disposal you know um, i think you were asking me what camera they were shooting on i <clears throat> i you know i was like looking back the stills and i saw he was using a red epic as well and it's like a proper camera but um he makes use of like shadows and lighting how fires illuminating an, an environment it's to the highest degree i mean it's the way he shot things is like proper he knows how to really use the atmosphere yeah. and the, to tell a story. the situation. Um, so yeah, I thought the shots were really good. And for the direction, Emir really mm. knows how he wants to block the the actors. Mm. He knows the movement. I think he knows uh, uh, the uh, the like the point of focus as well. Um, a lot of foreground, background, a lot of depth of feel. So you know, mm. he really just knows his space and yeah i think like those technical aspects were really good that's something there was those were the things that i find uh admirable in that movie in terms of the narrative i myself found that it sort of lacked a bit of a cohesive punch um like it I couldn't really find anything to grasp onto. Mm. You know, usually in horror films, there is either the pe- person you root for or the villain you root against. Mm-hmm. But in this sense, I think because it was structured in such a vague way mm-hmm. that I couldn't really follow one character. And it's not also it's it's also like an an ensemble, right? There, there's no there's really is, no yeah. one main character, so <laughs> I couldn't really find someone to root for and if there's no one for me to root for personally for a horror film then you know I wouldn't be so attached to it emotionally Mm. but I don't know if that's the intention you know from from Emir but and I've spoken to a few of my friends uh, who watch on the same night as well Um, some of them Agreed as with the points that I've said. Um, They (laughs) they mostly just said that the story was a bit lacking. Uh, was lacking a yeah. bit, um, but yeah, you know what? I don't know. What do you think about that? Um, it, it really depends which school of horror you came from. I mean, I like. I mean, the kind of horror that I was into invites a lot of questions. You know, so v- in in terms of horror films being vague about how 
certain plots and certain characters are being kept in the dark. I'm mostly fine with that because you know, in a way, it made you, it made you kind of like journey through the story the same way as the character does, and then you keep. Uh, asking yourself questions like how the character does, you know, you keep asking like why was this happening, and um, the answers given aren't always clear cut. And you know, similar to how this movie ends in particular, I I, I mentioned to you when we came out of cinema, I had one minor issue with the final scene, you know, whereby I mean, without giving too much away, it um, um, it has to do with like expositions and um, yeah. how you know a certain character will ex- over explain something, and then you keep re- and then you and then after that you realize, oh, okay, this is what the whole film hinges upon, you know, in both, even down to the title, even down to the to the overall theme of the of the, of the movie. But I mean, and then as, as I was like driving back, I was like. Isn't that a, what a good film should be? You know, you 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 know you uh you have a very clear. I mean, Emir Emir has a very clear direction of what, where his films uh, where his film is going, and he has a very clear idea of how the theme is, and then he execute upon the theme. So you know, um, like echoing what you're saying about how he never uh, how he doesn't really treat the same way he treats his film as he does towards the character about how you know, um, but I felt it's quite. All right, you know he he gave each of the uh, you know the family members and uh, characters played by Namron, but a great always reliable Namron. Um, you gave them enough material to pull off what they had on screen, and I felt you know um, I I felt I felt it's all right actually. You know um, he uh, he gave enough material for the ensemble to pull off a story that he wanted to tell. You know it's uh, it's it's quite. Uh yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an it's an it's an all right move from him I think. Mm. <coughs> you know, I I I also I agreed with you that it it did take a bold step mm. in terms of I mostly Malaysian horror that um it did not pander yeah. to the the audience you know yeah. in your your stereotypical jump scares and horror tropes yeah um which you know I'm trying to like question it myself now you know everyone is always saying everyone has been uh, commenting about. Uh, this movie recently that you know it's not your typical horror movie it doesn't have jump scares and all do that you, but do you but, think that in but it? I'm trying to you know I'm tra- thinking like you know in horror sometimes you do want jump scares right ah, it's jump scares is not yeah, the yeah. F- the crux of yeah, yeah. what makes a horror film bad example of a film that did really well with jump scares I thought was uh, Conjuring you mm-hmm. know Conjuring really uses this 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 jump scares of which a, a term and an act- a term and an action of which we have taken for granted these days for horror yes. movies, you know, uh, of uh, a thing that we have always think like being being overused in horror yeah. movies to the point of annoyance. But in Conjuring, it was employed really nicely, whereby you know it's. Uh, I think jump scares operate well on if you time it. It's all about timing and yep, uh, yep. pacing and and the, not overusing not it overusing for every it. setup. Exactly. Yeah, I'm, and it's a thing that not many horror filmmakers able to do. That's why there are so many horror filmmakers, but so few which are master at their own craft. Mm. You know, um, you know people like James Wan, and they're all horror masters from the past. Um, and jump scares, you know, essentially they 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 are like the the tools to help your great story. The, yeah, yeah, yeah they, to enhance the story. But if yeah. your story itself is already lacking a body, then everyone can I, I kind of just like see through it. You yeah. know, like oh, you know, it's gonna be a jump scare again. You know, then it happens, and oh, yeah. you're not really surprised anymore. I, I'm I'm glad. I'm in a way, I'm glad Emir didn't fall into that trope. You know, mm-hmm. I'm I'm glad his film. I'm glad. I'm kind of glad that Ro didn't fall into that usual trope of like. Um, you know, when a horror film starts, then you kind of know that okay, this film is gonna be one of those horror films that's that's gonna be like filled up with like a lot of jump scares from here and out. But horror, the way horror starts, you know, it really showcases his ability to look. My horror film is gonna be a little bit different, you know, from the moment it starts, and you kind of get the feeling that okay, you know what, this 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 is a guy who knows what he's doing, and we're just gonna let him do his thing. While never overthink about mm. where the jump scares would be, you know, and I think that's to his credit. I think that's where uh, the genre succeeds through his film. You know, it is a true intruder. I wouldn't necessarily, you know, for a film that has a roh, which is a Malay word for spirit. Um, uh, it's not really a spoiler to say we didn't really see that much ghostly encounters and whatnot. You know, mm-hmm. we we never really see things we associate 
with a lot of like ghost stories and whatnot. It's only hearsay. It's only rumors. It's only like implied stuff. You know, it's only like um, tales being told by someone else towards another person. And you know, and then you overheard those tales. You know, it's, it's the old, all this makings of uh, uh, folklore and myth. And the fact that it takes place, you know, and it's like the really dense jungle and whatnot. It, it really, it really feeds to the whole vibe, you know, the whole vibe that you're really watching something weird is happening. And I think, you know, that's to pull off that kind of atmosphere through a story. It's I, I always view that as achievement because it's, it's so hard of a thing to pull off through just visuals and words. And um, I, I really admire what it's doing, actually. Yeah. Um... <laughs> I, I agree of, you know, using whatever budget that they had. They definitely it's, put it all yeah. on screen. The budget is really well documented. and it, yeah. they, they <laughs> Well, <laughs> how much was it? Was it 300k? I think, um, they, yeah, they, they mentioned it's like a below 360k yeah, or yeah. something like that. Yeah, they're yeah. very proud of it. They numbers. definitely used up every cent that they could. And, you know, exactly. they made it well. They, make it, and, they made and it look well. And 360k for a, for a film, like to begin with, like isn't much... Mm-hmm. To begin with, you know, it's not a lot, yeah. Uh, but it's enough if you know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of critics that are like, <laughs> like a lot of like um, word of mouth reviews that I've seen, like if a three sixty k movie can do this, and what are you other film producers which has like two or three million horror, you know, two or three million dollar budget pump into horror movies? Like, what are you doing with your special mm-hmm. effects and your music? And yeah, it, it really proves that it really drives home the point that. Less is always more when it mm. comes to horror films. And having a bit of limitation in terms of budgetary and all that really feeds the whole, you know what, I'm going to do whatever I can with this number. And the result is this, you know, very minuscule, very minimalist approach to, you know, to the genre. Mm. Never overstep any boundary by putting additional visual effects. You know, it's not, it's not very visual effects heavy film to yeah. begin with. You know, we don't see... I, I saw like, a few instances where I, I have a feeling they used VFX, mm. but it, it wasn't very oh, heavy. Sure they, they yeah, yeah it wasn't because Emil himself is a it's VFX a, he's, artist. He's quite an accomplished VFX director. Yeah, yeah. So, and uh, he he you know he's the guy who knows his way around visual effects. But to see him doing a film that is very much not in his wheelhouse, you know, he's trying to test himself as both a storyteller and a director, and like directing ensemble pieces on screen, which is it's always an admirable thing. I think you did brought up something interesting, which is, you know, for a budget like that, yeah. how much can a filmmaker uh, use uh, use mm. it up, you know? Um, and it's definitely, I guess, it poses a lot of questions for the big filmmakers that we does. know in yeah. the industry, you know, uh, the, 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 the mainstream the ones, players. the big players, you know? Like, it, it's, I think it's like essentially challenging them, you know? What can you come up with that is new and interesting? And I think what Emir has done with this is definitely bringing a new form, at least for Malaysian horror. Yeah. Uh, because compared to like other horror films from uh, Southeast Asia, yeah. I, would, I wouldn't say we are at the top tier. I would still think a lot of like Indonesian and especially Thailand mm. horror films are still like the elite. Like like Indonesians especially. Yeah. Like when you see what Joko Anwar is doing with his uh what was that film? He he did like a couple of films for me. Like, Pengabdi Satan? Yeah, Pengabdi Satan, which uh <clears throat> Ron Palari was in it. And like Pengabdi Satan, you can tell it's being it's it's very polished, it's very well done, it's like polished to the highest degree of filmmaking. It looks really good. You can tell there's a lot of money being put into it, and I'm mm. pretty sure there's a lot of money being put into it. But you know, he approached it. You know, Joko I know approached his horror movie as as a guy who approached a blockbuster movie. You know, he would he would pour his heart and soul into it, and then the thing would sell, and the thing really sells. You know, he didn't think really did very really well in box office and stuff. For a small company like say like Kuman Pictures, mm. you know, very small, very dedicated, love their craft, and the fact that their dedication that can. Um, gave to the their filmmakers under their under their umbrella the ability to tell the story that you want to tell, the way you want to tell it, and able to execute it however you want it. It's really quite uh, it's it's really quite something. I mean, it's something that we've we've seen it very rarely happen, if any. You know, if it happens in in our in our film landscape over here, and I'm mm. very curious of how it's. Um, 
spells the generation of like films to come. You know, I'm, mm. I'm quite I'm quite excited to see what Kumana Pictures has up in their f- in their plans, lah. Well, you know, if they have more interesting films like this, then you know, definitely we're gonna we bring new audiences. Yeah. You know, educate them more about the the ex- how expansive the genre is. Yeah. Um. Well, as I was researching researching for this, uh, it made me uh found this old horror movie from Thailand, Shutter. You know that? I love Shutter. It I was. Especially love Shutter. I I was rewatching the trailer again. Yeah. Watching the uh, have trailer you, have you seen gave the original, me goosebumps. Have you watched the original yes. Thailand? Yeah. Yes. Watching watching the trailer itself like brought back memories and it gave me goosebumps. Yeah. You know, it's so the Shutter way it's really so well. good. It's it's, really well. I think it's made on like a, such a small budget as well. I, but I think so. Yeah. It the premise is simple. You know, it has jump scares, but it's done effectively. Yeah. And it's just like one of the most top tier like Southeast Asian horror films. Everyone always mentions Thai- it. Thailand's brand of jump scares is it's handled very differently rather than yeah. the Indonesian and the Japanese. You know, they they. they over time, you can tell they develop their own style of how to mm. scare audiences of their pants. And, you know, one thing about Shata, I really, I, re- I still remember the way they market their films. Like, do you remember that? Like, we used to refer, like, movie showtimes through our newspaper. You know, yep, yep, we always yep. have, like, I mean, we still do now these days. I mean, I very rarely read newspaper these days anyway, but I'm still doing <laughs> Neither it. Neither do I. You, you would have, like, GSC and DGV have their, their own, like, I, you know, th- my favorite column of what you would see your own um, uh, movie screening times and all that, show times and stuff. I distinctly remember Shutter when Shutter came out. I was like, what? It was like early 2005, 2006, you know, 07, 08. I was like still in school and all that. I remember the way they marketed their film was like, there's this huge half page cutout of a thing. And then you would, they, they have like random black and white photos, random black and white photos. And then they would have like each of the photos, they would have like this red. A red ring on it to show you that oh wait there's something like standing in between those two guys in the third row there's like um, two girls taking picture in front of a tree and then the red ring will be on top of a tree to show you something that nothing is there you know you, you would you would squeen your eyes like for a few minutes looking for something but nothing is there but it creates this intrigue of like what the hell is this thing and then underneath there you'll see like uh, the title itself which is coming soon you know it, it's it's ingenious marketing like that. That, that I miss. is really good marketing. That, yeah. I, that I miss. You know, we don't. I mean, I don't see that much marketing through print these mm. days of like how they would tell you so much of what uh, the tone and the atmosphere the film is gonna give you mm. um, way ahead before it was even released. And I, I, and you know, that that piece of marketing really stick out to me even until now. And you know, to bring it back to Raw, the way Raw roll out their posters and stuff, you would see like this creepy little girl standing. And there's like fiery tree brunch in the back, and then yeah, it's, it's essentially the poster. Yeah, yeah. Right. And it's like he would immediately. He's not afraid. Amir is not afraid of like branding the whole film of like, okay, look, this film is like true and true horror, and I'm not gonna change any mind of it. Um, but I'm gonna let my film prove how different it is. You know, you would our modern Malaysian going. Uh, crowds, you know how they hand, how they you know respond to what horror films these days. You know we are always tainted by all these like uh, jump scare Malay horror movies, and they they've been normalized, no, like they've been so influenced by it, you know <laughs> that when they go to a horror film and they don't they, expect ex- they don't see yeah. the jump scare, they they actually complain. I they're think. actually disappointed of it. It's yeah. like what, what? It's not scary, yeah. Why no yeah. jump scare? Yeah. Like why so slow? Like everyone's been saying like this is a slow burn horror and, film, right? And I see nothing but positive reaction to it, which, which I'm kind of glad. Which I'm like really low key kind of glad that oh we actually have audiences for slower, you know, quote unquote slower horror movie films like this, and you know. Over the years, we're like so familiar with like all these like other A twenty four offerings, like um, the witch. The witch immediately came to mind when everyone's comparing it to the witch, yeah. and also like the wailing. I've heard the wailing. Yeah, somebody brought up the wailing, and uh, it's actually more intonally to the wailing actually rather than the witch and hereditary. The way they the wailing is more because it's in the forest, exactly. and it's a family. Yeah, I mean, but the way they interview, uh, the intervenes, um. Uh, myth and folklore and yep, storytelling yep. and all these like uh, weird beliefs and how it plays with religion and mm. old beliefs and all that it's it's really quite in the, the wailings wheelhouse but yeah I mean I know you keep seeing like audiences brought up name checks name drop all those films alongside Roe which I'm like I see nothing but good vibes mm. from that kind of comments you know and uh, yeah I mean Amir has done quite a tremendous job into 
um, telling a story uh, while it has its own some form of shortcomings but mm-hmm. you know first feature film debut from a guy um, I, I expect nothing less it's yeah, I I have the same opinions as well. Um, I, there's one thing I did notice is that I guess a lot of I, Malaysian horror films mm. they I think because of either the director or the production, you know, they rely they do rely a lot on folklore, yep. myth, and religion themes, right? Especially religion for some reason it's very heavily influenced. Yeah. But I guess I don't see a lot of like modern interpretations of Malaysian yes. horror films, yeah. right? Like in like if in twenty twenty, what does a Malaysian horror film actually look like? Mm-mm-mm. You know, in in modern times. Um. So I guess I I you know hopefully I can see something like that soon. Um. I mean, I really I really hope it ushered in. If not, you know, if if. It actually didn't well, Kuman do... recent sorry, Kuman recently did do their uh, short film contest, remember, for oh, their yeah, horror yeah, yeah. themes and then th- there's a lot of like interesting stuff as well, yeah. especially uh, towards the the COVID-19 uh, theme. Yeah, so, it's more towards that. Yeah. <laughs> people that, you know, some of the winning short films are being made, you know, in in it's as as a response to the to the yes. to the times that we're living in. But yeah, it's it's I I, I guess I would like to challenge the filmmakers to like try to create something new mm. you know supposedly not so much from religion and folklore even though Malaysian horror you know a lot of it does stem from yeah. this concept but I think applying it to modern times that we are living in um, I think it will you know create new avenues new platforms yeah. new things to, th- to talk about um, so yeah that's just something that I, I want to see more I think Mm-mm-mm. Um, I mean, if anything, Kuman Pictures will be the one that will allow such film to be able to get made in the first place. Because you know, if we were to touch on heavier subject matter, I don't, I don't think other film companies will be able to like distribute such. You know, they would. I'm just saying, there's like there's gonna be like a lot of red tapes going through the script itself, and um, even in even in the post Q and A, uh, with Emir and the cast, and uh, you know, Ami Mohammed was there as well. And then they were mentioning something about uh, something that was quite interested, uh, interesting to me. They said that the script was uh, there's like few drafts of the script. You know, there's like three or four, five, six different script, five different, six different um, drafts of the script before they even committed to the filming. And I and I wonder what changes in those in those scripts. You know. Uh, where the religious theme were a bit heavier in in one end, where it's being toned down by them as well throughout the process. Yeah, I'm very interested in the in, mm. in the process that Emir has gone through in terms of making role. Uh, do you think we should just reveal our surprise then? You know, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I we usually can do wouldn't it. commit to anything that's haven't locked down yet. But I mean, it is like about ninety percent locked down in the right. So I guess basically we can already say yeah. that we. Gonna be uh, we're excited that we're gonna interview Emil as one yeah, in person. Yeah. Um. So of course we're gonna have a lot of more insider questions. You know. Um. It's definitely gonna be a spoiler filled. Yep. Interview with him. You know. We yep. want to know all the details. No holes bar. It's, yeah. it's a thing that we're gonna like straight away talk about whatever's happening in the third act and um, mm-hmm. the theme surrounding the film and what draft that. You know, did Kuman ask him not to make? You know, I really, yeah. I'm, I, I myself personally, I'm really curious for that. And, um, yes, so Derek will definitely be asking. Yeah, that. It's, um, it's, there's gonna be a lot of that kind of a chat, very geeky, <laughs> uh, uh, screenwriting, uh, filmmaking process kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, it's what we're here for, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you know, definitely do check out for that. You know, yeah. we're very excited to bring this uh, Malaysian movie review to you guys. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> Any last thoughts on Ro so far? Um, besides the fact that it's quite well made, and uh, I, I mean, I I'm personally just happy with the um, with the local audience's reaction so far. Yeah. You know, I I, I kind of think that they really dig the film as much as we do. Um, their reaction has nothing been great. Mm. Uh, you know, and they they are aware of how different the film is, you know, mm-hmm. how different of a horror movie this horror film is and how it's not like often relying on jump scares and how 
And then I was like, there, there are like three or four reviews that keep brought up like, oh, this is, you know, this is the kind of film that you, you shouldn't expect the jump scares and it's okay to not expect jump scares. You know, films, horror films nowadays don't have jump scares. Not jump, the, jump scares are not the bad thing. Are not it's, a bad thing, yeah. It's the story we or direction around it. Yeah, it's yes. not a bad thing. But, you know, um, as how the new age of horror filmmaking is brought up, you know, like people like, Ari Aster, uh, the people that, uh, the guy that did The Witch, whose name escapes me at the moment, and the Korean filmmakers who did, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I, I've forgotten his name suddenly. <laughs> but yeah, um, you know, we've seen how horror movies have evolved through the years, and, um, uh, you know, it's the kind of horror movie that I personally really like, you know, the, mm, the kind mm. of thing that did, uh, ends on, you know, those kind of horror movies that, ends on like very vague ending and then it asks you to you know decide on your own resolution you know what do you think happened to the character no mm. I don't know ask yourself you know go through google search yeah, it's that kind of thing you know I yeah, like yeah. those kind of horror films but there's always balance I guess mm. so you know it, it's, it also falls down to the fact that I really hope you know to echo what you said just now I really hope films don't always fall back to the whole religious trope you know don't always like fall back to the uh, folklore and the myth and the whatnot, but I guess in in a way it's because of it's, those yeah. the horror movies are quite interesting and mm. and it it's what makes our horror movie you know our horror brand over here in Southeast Asia quite unique to yeah to, yeah to say Western perspective say you know we very rarely seen like Western films you know Western horror films being made on under the under the guise of like. Uh, Christ Christianity imageries and, and one. I mean, I'm I'm just saying there is, but yeah, not yeah. too much saturated mm. under those kind of branding, you know. Yeah, and we're definitely not saying like you know yeah. religious aspect horror films are bad as well, mm. you know. But a little you know variety is good, yeah. you know. So yeah, and to uh, anchor onto what Derek has said, um, I think I was happy mostly because uh, Ro was open on the week that uh it really wasn't competing with anything else. I think, <laughs> it right. It prides itself as like the first film to open Malaysian cinema week and, and deservedly so. I mean, like, yeah. uh, if you have nothing else to watch on that week because you have nothing else to watch on that week, I, I'm not too sure what's on cinema this yeah, week yeah. or the next few weeks. Ba basically, you, there was like no Hollywood yeah. film like big enough which which is to like capture the best that buzz. release date you can ask for like yeah. in terms of like as a, as a and producer it, and <laughs> We could definitely hear a lot of buzz, uh, yeah. a lot of excitement from our side. It. It yeah, helps. so really like helps. everyone went out to watch it. Yeah. Uh, our own uh, cinema loving friends have spoken about it as well. Yeah. And yeah, I think it was is a good week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so yeah, I mean, for those of you, for those of you who have not seen Row yet, uh, head out to your local cinema. It's not really playing in like very wide. I've I've checked in the local because I've been wanting to catch it second time. Mm. You know, I've been like looking through show times and that. It is not as widely released as other films per se, but it has it's, enough showtimes in yeah. like all the major cinemas that you may or may not have been I think in. currently it's number four or five on GSE's top uh, ten yeah, list. Yeah. So, it, you know, <laughs> definitely catch out at GSE week, if you can. Empty week of, of uh, cinema releases. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, they're doing pretty well and I hope... Uh, you know, I hope all the best for the for Kumans, you know, for them mm -hmm. to like make back their own monies and and whatnot. And uh Dean Kuman did that whole uh, if you don't like the film you can even return the cinema ticket back to the I think that's like <laughs> I think they're yeah, still doing that, right? It's that's like, like a Kuman thing. It's now, like right? a Kuman thing now, yeah. If you yeah. I mean it is true. I mean if you still don't like the film you can return. I think it's over by now. I think it's like Yeah, can, yeah. It's just for the premiere, I think. Yeah. Uh, for the first week. For the first, first week. week, first week yeah, if you've seen the film somewhere in the first week and then if you do not like the film under certain reason, you can tell them the reason why and then yeah. you can actually mail them back. The mail them back I the think tickets. it's I think it's a smart marketing ploy by them. You I know? think it's a psychological thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. In a way, shout they, out to they know people are not going to return the, the money. Know, they, right? they did this during Two Sisters as well and I keep telling... I keep telling to myself and my friends, no one's going to return the cinema tickets. No, no one's going to no go through the trouble so, to do that. Yeah. So, in a, in a very clever, you know, uh, uh, reverse psychology thing from, from, from their side, it's, it's a clever bit of marketing. You mm. know, the, the pin underneath next to your posters and stuff like, by the way, if you hate this film, tell us why and then we will refund you the film. You know, it's all, <laughs> all good, you know. But, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very... The, the Kuman... Is operating as this very rebel mm. mindset in terms of like film distribution and film yep. production company. And 
All's well, you know. Uh, I'm, you know, from that kind of mindset, you can you can see uh, challenging materials mm. to be out on the big screen, uh, as as similar to role. I do have another question that I don't know if we could ask Amir this, which mm. is, what would happen if, if like if this movie would be greenlit under like a big production house, you mm. know, like because Kuman is independent, they can basically do anything. Yeah. But you know, if it was produced by one of the big boys, you know, would they get like lots of production notes? Would they have to like mm. change some stuff, move some things around? Like, oh no, you know. We need to uh, captivate the audience, you know. Off, we gotta, we gotta the, add these jump scares. In. Off the top of my head, I'm pretty sure there will be notes, but yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting question to ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At some point. Okay. Um. Yeah. Basically, that is our non-spoiler uh, impressions review. Also, very quick shout out to uh, Rin Ng, who is the sound composer, the composer, and, uh, yeah. sound designer, composer for the for for the film. Like sweet. Job, man. Like really, I mean, it's 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 so cleverly designed at some at some spots and some some of the scenes that you really feel lived in through the, through the film itself. Mm-hmm. It's really it's really a job well done for each and every key collaborators in the film. It's yep. yeah, very very good atmospheric score. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, all right, we're gonna move on to our ending segments, which mm-hmm. is uh, I guess something to recommend or just something to look something forward to. Watching. Yeah, it's been like we slowly like yeah. evolved this category into like things like uh stuff we recommend into stuff that we've been watching. <laughs> yeah, we may or may not have watched through the week. I guess we'll just say what we want to look forward to. Uh, right, right off the bat. Ooh. Uh, uh, the trailer that you sent me. Uh, yeah, I uh, there's this new trailer by HBO uh, series uh, mm-hmm. uh, yep. titled "The Third Day." If the I'm Third mistaken. Day, yeah, starring Jude Law. Jude Law. Jude Law, and there's some some other key characters as well, uh, key actors in it as well. I could have forgotten the name, but yeah, uh, um, I first saw the teaser few months ago. You know, during during MCU and whatnot, and um, it's really, 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 really intriguing looking. Uh, it gives off that whole vibes of like Wicker Man and Midsommar and um, it's just this like this weird it, it says about a guy who is like it, it's split two different storylines correct it's yep. like eight episodes long uh, four episodes dedicated to one story while the other four is dedicated to the other story is it eight episodes? As eight episodes yeah. I saw that it was like a three part mini series is it eight? I'm pretty sure it was it because um because the the whole point was that four episodes will be uh dedicated to the Jude Law part of the story while the other four will be dedicated to Naomi Harris. Uh, I yes. I now only remember the name. Will be dedicated to the other story whereby it's uh Jude Law's part will be titled Summer while the other will be titled Winter. Ah, so okay, it's like okay. a course of a year kind of a thing. And um it's it's you know basically tell a story about how Jude Law uh, playing this uh guy who is you know who traveled to a mysterious island which has like weird inhabitants people living in it with their weird traditions and whatnot and let's just say weird stuff happen so yeah um, um vibes of like uh culty pagan ritual thing something like wicker man yeah wicker man midsommar and uh, comes to mind and hbo and uh, it's a partially written uh, produced show run by this guy called denise kelly now denise kelly is this guy who made this show uh called Utopia. Mm. Utopia, if you've not seen before, Utopia is this very, it is also this kind of like culty show in its own way. Um, it was very big over, over, in, uh, over, in, uh, over in BBC, if I'm not mistaken. It had like very wide audience release. At some point, David Fincher was gonna remake it for HBO. That was mm. a very big news and I, and I love that show and the news that Fincher was gonna remake it uh, astonished me the hell out of it. And then the, the planning kind of like fall apart and then I don't know what happened. As for all Fincher movie plans and stuff. But yeah, it's uh, it's quite something. And for people who have not seen Utopia, please watch it. I can't really summarize the plot because the plot is quite weird as well. Let's just say it starts with a school shooting and things get quite weird from there. And yep. the third day is from him. So I yeah, I can't wait for the third day actually. Yeah, the the cast seems really good as well. Uh, it has Jude Law, Naomi Harris, uh, Catherine Waterston, yeah. Emily Watson. You know, really stellar cast. Yep. and it reliable it, faces on TV. Yeah, yeah. It it de- it definitely shows that HBO is like really getting their their TV lineup yeah. into like a more powerful position again. Yeah, you know, like back then they had a lot of those really great shows, uh, like Sopranos and all that. True you know, Detective. Yeah, True Detective, like. It, 
with third, if, third day certainly gave a bit of first season three detective vibe. Mm, you know, not mm. not not least because of the whole uh, uh, weird myth and pagan ritual thing. You know, of the thing. But it, it, third day might be more obvious in that in the regard. But it really does does give up that whole prestige drama feel to it. You know, it's, it's big. It's highly budgeted. It's gonna be very well told. I hope. Yes, it yeah. looks good from the trailer. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's really yeah. another something to look forward out, to. I think it's coming out the first week of September as well, if I'm not mm. mistaken. That first week of September is going to be big. It's going to be big, big, big. Well, that is a perfect segue <laughs> into my thing. Okay. Okay, so, okay, Derek, if, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this, but I'll, I'll let you guess this, okay? If there's one sort of filmmaker that, um, that I would look up to the most, who would you think it'd be? <laughs> Beside the fact that we, I mean, I don't know. Um, <laughs> it, writer director, I'll give you this. Quote. Okay, I mean, I mean, writes or directs quirky stuff. Oh, okay. Now you got me quirky stuff. Uh, makes you think a lot. His films make, really make you think a lot. It's like so out of the box. Um, I mean, I had in mind what uh, uh trailer you're gonna talk about. Yes, and, but uh, you're not referring to. Kaufman, right? Ch- uh, Charlie yes, Kaufman as well. Okay, yes, okay. yes. So, like, you know how everyone always um, has, like, their favorite filmmakers? Like, to Chris, no- like Chris Nolan. Thing, it is. It's, he's, he's quirky <laughs> to an extent, yeah. Um, I would like, say Michael Gondry is quirky, but I mean, Michael... No, Kaufman is, yeah. is also, his like, his own, own version. Idiosyncratic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, ev- everyone gets excited when, like, a new Nolan film oh, yeah. comes out and stuff, but... For Kaufman, me, Kaufman, right? Kaufman drives Charlie a very Kaufman different crowd. is yeah. my Nolan, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? He he is someone where when his films come out, like I am yeah. definitely there. Yeah. And uh, you know the new trailer for his latest film called "I'm Thinking of Ending yeah. Things" yeah. comes out, and I watched it, and I'm like, in, I am the, so in. The trailer looks damn freaky. Um, I have no idea what the book's about. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've not read the book, I but gonna, I want to as I well. I was gonna pick it up when the uh, when Netflix announced that Charlie Kaufman is gonna make a film based on that book, and I was like, Charlie Kaufman is gonna adapt a book. I have to pick up that book because you know Charlie Kaufman is very notorious into writing his own yes. scripts and and whatnot. To see him willingly wanting to adapt from a source material is kind of like okay, there's something about that source material that's gonna attract him. Meaning, ergo, it's gonna attract me. So and I think it's the first time in a long time since he adapted um, an actual book. Uh, the first one would be uh, adaptation, uh, yes. where he was supposedly adapting a book about orchids, about flowers. That's not fictional. I think I it's, it's real. It's an actual book, yes, right? It's an yes. actual book. Okay, okay. Because some part of me thought that he made up that book, and then he said he's gonna make a film. Based on a person that's gonna adapt the thing from that book. No, no, I think it is. There is it's definitely good. a real book about yeah, it's flowers. Yeah, done yes. in this very weird, meta, yeah. textual way that is like really exciting for like a uh, uh, Kaufman fans. Yes. You know? So basically, this new film is gonna come out on September fourth, which is oh again a big okay, weekend. Okay, okay. Okay. Um, okay. It's uh, by a book. It's uh, written by Ian Reid, and uh, the like the logline. Uh, it says it's a psych- really it's a, psych- it's a psychological yeah. thriller and horror about a young woman who lets her boyfriend take her to see his parents in on a remote farm right. and the disturbing aftermath that follows. So didn't Get Out has the same uh, kind of yes yes, yeah, yeah. but. This whole taking your spouse to your in-laws yes. thing, and then weird shit start happening. Yeah. Today. So from the trailer, it, it um it stars uh Jesse Buckley as the late lead yeah. actress, and then you have uh, Jesse Plemons, and then freaking love you Jesse have Tony Collette, right? <laughs> yeah. As the Tony mom Collette again, as a as a weird mom in a horrible. <laughs> yes. Movie. Yeah. That's, she, that's, she is like that's, the go-to person. That's, that gone really well for the last yeah, movie, for yeah. the last horror film that she's been in. So basically, uh, this young woman um yeah. is. Uh, wanting to end things with her boyfriend but you know when she goes on this trip to his parents place strange things start to happen yeah. and then you know a, the way that Kaufman comes up with his films you know it's very either meta or it's very like I don't even know how to describe it I'm, all I'm, of the box it's I'm so I'm waiting to find box. out what that is yeah. you know, from, from a film which may have a very basic premise mm. basic sounding premise and um to be under the umbrella of like psychological horror it's already a really damn intriguing and then you put Kaufman into the equation and you're thinking like 
at which point Kaufman is going to turn this into a very Kaufman-esque film yes. rather than the premise that you just yes. read. You know, it's, yeah, so, it's a, yeah, it's a, I, I am so excited about this. Yeah, it's, It has also this one weird shot of the dog the dog twitching yes. it has it has since becoming a meme like I've seen yeah. it like, popped up in like some of the really I've not seen it yet but yeah it's this yeah. weird the dog thing. Just and then like you keep shaking. Seek, you keep, keep seeking shaking and then it's it, I mean look I mean horror films that's able to give us imagery like this I like I'm, I'm putting both my hands up and like I mean you know I, I'm, I'm completely in of like this weird looking thing that has this weird looking yeah yeah I think yeah. I think we need a lot of these weird flavors. Yeah. I mean, know? it goes back to the variety. Yeah. Right? It goes back to the yeah. Uh, I think a lot of our films, it's too straightforward. It's too either in your face or mm. it's just telling you straight. You know, it doesn't go off the beaten path a, bit, a lot. You know, you couldn't have gone way off than how Kaufman is gonna yes. go today with this film. I think. Yeah. So it's gonna come out on Netflix, uh, which is a great yeah, thing. Times. Yeah. Netflix actually. Netflix is just just grabbing all the filmmakers, telling yeah. them, you know, here's your money, make your film. <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah. Um. Basically, that's all we have for our episode now. Yeah. Um. Um. You know. Um. Very short for things I've seen. Um. I finish. I know this much is true. Mm. What um, do you think about it? It's really good. It's really good. I. That um, that final episode kind of gave a very clear indication why Derek Cian France, Cian France, sorry, mm. wanting to make that thing. Yep. You know, it, it's it goes back to his old filmography of of like why he made Blue Valentine and why he made Place Beyond the Pines mm. of this like uh, 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 guilt and sin from the father down to the to the to the sons. You know, you it's, he's obsessed with that kind of thing. Yep. And then yep. I know this much is true. Clearly has those themes in spades mm. you know and it's very well done actually it's really really um yeah the final reveal i'm still thinking about the final reveal <laughs> the final episode but it's 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 a, it's a good show yeah for for people who have not seen it you know should watch that um what else have you been watching yeah i, I haven't been watching much stuff actually I haven't been watching much stuff yeah um a little slow but you know it's okay. I guess yeah. it's, it's good to have a slow week sometimes yeah. just to catch up. breath. Like big movies coming up in like September and stuff. Yeah. They're really like mentally ready. All that. I've, I've seen people started doing, I think Goggler started doing like Nolan retrospective as well. Yeah, and they're going to go through like oh every boy. Nolan film. <laughs> yeah, which, uh, which I've... I, I know I've you been, wanted to do it. I've been low-key yeah. low doing that uh, myself but uh, you know, wanting to do that for our show but... Too much people doing, you know, people doing like ten year anniversary with Inception and remembering Inception, yeah, and, and whatnot. There's enough people talking about Nolan as we. <laughs> Everyone so, keeps talking how Inception is the best thing ever, right? From Nolan, I okay. I mean, the best thing, the the term best thing ever. I wouldn't necessarily apply it to Inception, but it's not really. I mean, it's still a great movie. It's, it's a great so movie, movie, yeah. I've just recently rewatched uh, Interstellar, actually, and it's I've forgotten just how great Interstellar is. I, 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 you know, the the second, you know, the last forty five minutes was like really, like prime example of like filmmaking that Nolan has ever committed to is like the way he pasted those scenes together. It's it's amazing, and then, and then he has his own fair share of people criticizing how he handles the plot. Yeah, I mean. All that, all that, and well, but the way you know, the way, like, the way he handles, the way he stages the, the the set pieces of how the the thing you know um, attaches itself to the ship and whatnot. You know, all those scenes are so engaging. Mm. It's so well well done. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh, um, yeah. My, my last one was Dunkirk. I'm still gonna rewatch Dunkirk next. All right. Cool. Yeah. Can't wait to hear about it more. Um. <laughs> so yeah, watch. Watch, go out and watch Roll now. It's yeah. still on cinemas. Uh, support it with your money. Show yes. our filmmakers that you know we love our local films. There's never more vocal support for filmmakers other than money. Yes. Uh, pay the movie tickets with your own money, and uh, yeah. And so they can do more of these movies. You can, they, yeah, so that you are basically guaranteeing them to making more. Contents. Yep, yep. Uh, we we'll put our the links that we have recommended yep. or look forward to in our description, and of course we are gonna have our interview with Emir as one very soon. So yeah. do look forward. Yeah, to look that. forward it's for gonna the come next out. one. It's gonna come out. I imagine uh, in, in this I mean, week, not too long. Yeah, after, yeah. After when you hear this, yeah. yeah. So yeah, definitely do check out this space and. Yeah. 
other than that, you know, we hope you all have a good week. Uh, yeah. As final note, uh, we'll just wish everyone uh, <laughs> a good, a good uh, week where you don't burn yourself when you walk outside because it's been scorching hot. Yeah, drink those water. Yes, and a uh, mask. Yeah, mask as well. It, it's gonna spell a bit of a problem. I mean, with the weather and whatnot, and then so yeah, especially since they are really pulling up the SOPs that telling you to like really have to wear your mask and the whatnot. thing with the teenager got fined a oh, thousand yeah. bucks yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's less can be said about sad it love, because, but, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's a it's a, I mean if it happens to me I'll, I'll personally be quite pissed as well but then like it's, you know it's a, it's a double standard I mean it goes back to double standard issues and yeah like, yeah let's not get into that's it. not that's okay uh, yeah, it's thank, so uh, yeah thank you for listening again and as always yeah. my name is Garrick My name is Derek. And you are listening to Are We Rolling? We'll see you very soon. Bye. Bye.